Shalom everyone. Perakafbet of Sefer Yirmiyahu, chapter 22 of the book of Jeremiah, takes place when the prophet is instructed to go and speak to the new king, Yehoakim, for the first time. It's worth pointing out, <clears throat> and this I learned from reading Rav Benny Lau's book on Yirmiyahu, that the Sefer is not in chronological order. For example, yesterday's chapter, 21, takes place when Zedekiah is king, and tracks events which take place several years after the reign of Jehoiakim. So actually, this chapter takes place around 20 years before chapter 21. Yirmiyahu is told to speak to Jehoiakim. Again, we hear about the prophet's emphasis on doing tzedek umishpat, justice and righteousness. <clears throat> Ko Amar Adonai Sumishpat Ustaka Vatsilu Gazul Miyad Ashok Vigeriatom Valmana Altonu Atachmosu Vidam Naki Al Tishbahu Bakom Hazer. Thus says the Lord Execute justice and righteousness and release the robbed from oppression and the sojourner, the orphan and the widow, do not wrong and do no violence to them and do not shed the blood of the innocent in this place. And if you do this, the prophet promises, the monarchy will be strong. If you don't, as Jeremiah later says, this house shall become a ruin. But later in the chapter, Jeremiah talks about Jehoiakim saying, they shall not lament for him. And then in the next verse, number 19, Kfurat chamor yikaver, sachov v'hashlech mehala l'sharei Yerushalayim. He shall be buried with the burial of a donkey, dragged and cast out of the gates of Jerusalem. But let's backtrack a little. Who is this new king, Yehoiakim, and why is he sitting on the throne? As we've learned, Yirmiyahu begins his life as a prophet at the time of Josiah's reign. Josiah, Yoshiahu, is considered a good king, and he seeks to turn the people back towards God, as well as reaching out to any remaining Israelites from the northern kingdom. At the same time, despite an A for effort, he's not particularly successful. And several decades of Assyrian influence has made the Avodah Zarah in the kingdom difficult to shake off. In retrospect, it seems Josiah's time was particularly good for the kingdom of Judah. When Josiah became king around 641 BCE, the international situation is in flux. To the east, the Assyrian Empire is becoming weaker. The Babylonian Empire has not yet risen. And Egypt to the west is still recovering from Assyrian rule. And within this power vacuum, Judah was able to govern itself without foreign intervention. But then things begin to change. In 614 BCE, the Assyrian Empire begins to crumble. The Medes conquer the city of Assur, and the Median king forms an alliance with the Babylonian monarch. In 612, the largest city in the Assyrian Empire, Nineveh, falls to these combined forces. In 610, the Babylonian and Median forces invade Haran, 
where the Assyrian army has retreated to. <coughs> a year later, in 609, Pharaoh Nechor of Egypt seeks to come to the aid of the Assyrians and to defeat their enemies along the Euphrates River. But there's one problem. To get northwards, he has to pass through the kingdom of Judah. The Pharaoh has begged Josiah to let him pass, emphasising that he means Judah no harm. But Josiah refuses, meets Nechor in battle at Megiddo and is, king, and is killed. For the kingdom, it's an Armageddon-sized tragedy. We learn some details of this in Malachim Bet chapter 23. After describing Josiah's death at Megiddo, the text tells us that the people of the land took Yehoahaz, Josiah's son, and anointed him and made him king in his father's stead. Yehoahaz was 23 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. And Pharaoh Nahor put him in bands that he might not reign in Jerusalem and put a levy on the land of a hundred talents of silver and a talent of gold. And Pharaoh Nahor made Eliakim, the son of Josiah king, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. But he took Jehoahaz away and he came to Egypt and died there. The son who initially succeeds Josiah is Jehoahaz, the second son. But he's deposed after three months by the Egyptian pharaoh and replaced by Josiah's eldest son, who is renamed Jehoiakim. This is who Jeremiah gives his prophecy to. And it takes place at a time when the kingdom has been forced to adopt a very pro-Egyptian strategic direction. The Talmud seeks to find reasons as to why Josiah sought war. It suggests that he misunderstood a verse that says that when the people keep the laws, no sword, even a sword of peace, like that of Pharaoh Nechor, shall pass through the land. And so Josiah felt he needed to prevent the Egyptian passage. But there's a geostrategic reading here too. Egypt and Assyria are fighting Babylonia and Medes. And perhaps Josiah wants to throw in his lot with the latter. The prophet Jeremiah doesn't relate to this decision in, in our text. But we know from previous prophets that they generally rejected kings from Israel or Judah gambling by playing the regional game of thrones. Betting on Babylon to come out on top wasn't necessarily such a bad decision, but it cost Josiah his life. He leaves behind a much weakened kingdom ruled by inexperienced sons, which has caused Egyptian anger. And by his action, Josiah set in place a series of dominoes that lead both Egypt and then Babylonia to control Judah and ultimately, following yet more strategic mistakes, a situation is reached that leads to exile, the destruction of the temple and then the loss of any Jewish control over Judah. It seems that the die has been cast. But even if it hadn't, Jeremiah's warning in this chapter is ignored yet again.